Welcome to a special IB Sports podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. We will be doing an instant reaction of the Super Bowl that just ended. I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me is a very angry Philadelphia Eagles fan, Sam Howe. Sam, what's going on? I'm just going to be salty. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, amazed that Tom Brady continues to play with a horseshoe up his ass okay and, uh, we'll get into that in a minute you ain't got to start off all salty we'll get to it let's at least let's, i will hold on just before i would like okay, to say ahead. that i root for the last team to beat tom brady in the super bowl <laughs> oh boy all right so the bucks i mean to be honest one in shocking fashion 31 to 9 uh for those that did not watch the game, what were you doing? But the Chiefs went down what was a very sloppy start to the game. It's typical in Super Bowls. The Chiefs actually scored first with about five minutes left in the first quarter to make it 3 nothing. From that point on, it was all bucks. Gronk caught a touchdown pass uh, with 37 seconds left first quarter to go up 7-3. Then caught another with six minutes left in the second quarter uh, to go up 14-6. to I'm sorry, I forgot the Chiefs did kick a field goal in there. Chiefs kicked another field goal to make it 14 to nine with a minute left. And then the Bucks, with only a minute left in the first half, went down and scored a touchdown, something they believe did in all four games where they scored in the last two minutes of the first half. Uh, so they were up 21 to, excuse me, 21 to six, not 21 to nine. Then the Chiefs kicked a field goal early in the third quarter to make it 21 to nine. And then from that point on, there was no more scoring other than the Bucs scored a touchdown and a field goal to make it 31 to nine. Mahomes was constantly under pressure. Uh, the offensive line issues were without a doubt, a huge factor in this game. He threw two interceptions. I mean, I didn't see the, how many times he was knocked down. Uh, I know he was sacked three times by the end of the game. It was, I mean, honestly, and actually let's just start right there. Mahomes, I hope, is not going to get crap from people. And I'm sure there are some out there that are going to because of all the success he's had over the last few years. Was this his best game? Absolutely not. Was this game his fault? Absolutely not. Uh, I mean, you can start early with the Tyreek Hill play on one of the many amazing passes he made under just crazy pressure uh, in the first quarter that hit Hill right in the face mask. That would have been a touchdown. There was an even bigger play, in my opinion, when the the game really, to me, was lost when the Chiefs actually made a great goal line stop. They stopped Ronald Jones twice from the one. And then there was a big third down right after that where Mahomes made a good pass to Kelsey. And this never happens, but Kelsey just dropped a pass that was, I mean, hit him right in the chest. Uh, and that really, to me, was the game because after that, it just felt like, okay, Chiefs have nothing going on here. Um, have you ever seen a quarterback run around the way Mahomes did and make throws that kept, I mean, basically either being on the money or almost in the money when, I mean, the positions he threw some of those passes were insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was sort of what I was thinking of was that when you said, have you seen a quarterback run around like that? My initial thought was like, yes, I mean, I, I watched Carson Wentz do it. I was like, <laughs> oh, but make throws like that. No, no, I, I no, that was new. Um, yeah, I thought that he, you know, I, I, 
you know, we can get into the, the luck of Brady, but I thought that um, Mahomes is I – mean, there was a couple of throws where he was just, you know, perpendicular to the ground and or parallel to the ground throwing these amazing passes. And I thought that, you know, obviously I think that, you know, he was injured and there were issues related to that in terms of the turf toe. But yeah, I thought he – I mean, it was disappointing – as somebody who really wanted to see the the hammer, you know, who doesn't like Tampa to have good things. I'm still bitter about the 03 title game as somebody who doesn't want to see Tom Brady have good things or Gronkowski who I can't stand. Uh, I don't think that we're giving the defense of Tampa enough credit. We're going to get into why Tampa one. I just want to talk about the, the defending champs real quick before we do. Yeah. I, I thought that, yeah, I mean, it was disappointing. I think that Tyreek Hill is the most exciting player in football. Uh, every time the ball gets into his hands, I was like, oh, is he gonna, he's going to do something amazing. Uh, but, yeah, I just I felt like it was the the worst possible time uh, for Andy. I mean, <laughs> as an Eagles fan, I, I, uh, I was like, oh, no, Andy Reid picked the worst possible game. Well, that's a, that was actually my next point. I think that there's going to be some fair criticism on Andy Reid for the game that he called. There was not a lot of crossing patterns, which the Bucks had a lot of issues with that through the season. And the running the ball was really the big thing to me. I mean, they didn't even really try to run the football. They had 17 carries for 107 yards. And especially when it was very evident early in the game that Mahomes was going to be running for his life. I mean, what's the easiest way to give your quarterback maybe a little bit of time is to run the football. And it was almost like he was just too stubborn to do that. I mean, Hilaire had nine for 64. Now one of them was on a 26 yard carry, but you're still looking at basically 40 yards on eight carries on the other one. That's five yards per carry. And then again, you know, Mahomes had the success of five for 33. I know that was him running for his life, but it just, it was really surprising that, I mean, they threw it 49 times. I understand the fourth quarter you had to get into that, but I mean, until literally the fourth quarter, it was the game and they did not score on that uh, goal line stand by the Bucks at the end of the third quarter, which would have made a two score game. Yes, it was basically over. It's just throw, throw, throw. But before that, it's a, it's a fair question to ask, why didn't you try to run the football? It was really the worst. I mean, for most of this run with Patrick Mahomes, we have seen the worst of Andy Reid, really not rare attack. You know, he things that he does poorly with clock management or, you know, stubbornly throwing the ball infuriatingly. Um, did the, that's not come up. And it feels like, I, and it doesn't make sense because especially when you're missing both of your starting guards, why like, and, and it's not even that they came out throwing it. It's the, like, it's not even just like how many straight was it at first? Was it like 11 straight plays that he yeah. threw? It's just like, I don't know. Like if, if, and especially, you know, it's not, not just that the guards were hurt, but like, you know, it's pretty clear that Mahomes' toe is bothering him. I was just like, what are you doing, man? Well, and I mean, the Bucs, the, granted, they scored, you know, 31 points in three quarters. Obviously, in the fourth quarter, they took their foot off the gas because they were just in trying to run out the clock. My Falcons in 2016, I wish they would have gone uh, with a summer plan. But the 
it wasn't like the Bucks were just killing them down the field. That was something else that I thought was really interesting was I took this picture with almost an hour left in the game of the stats and it wasn't as lopsided as it seems. I mean, at this point when it was 31 to nine early in the fourth quarter, it was 23 first downs for the Bucks, the 16 for the Chiefs. Uh, the total plays 50 to 49, total yards 232 to 298. The Chiefs are averaging 4.6 yards per play. The Bucks are averaging 6.1. At that point, Chiefs had thrown for 125 yards. The Bucks are thrown for 189. And this is again where it gets a little frustrating if you're a Chiefs fan. The rushing 107 to 109. One had ran it 17 times. The other was 22. The real difference in this game was. The penalties. I mean, yeah, the Chiefs had some bad penalties. Some there was a few bad calls, but there was also some some really bad penalties that they're going to call. I mean, they just are. And then the big thing was the red zone. The Chiefs were 0 for two in the red zone at that time. The Bucks were three for five. I mean, it just this game could have gone easily the other way, but they just the Chiefs could not consistently move the ball against a Bucks defense that was just phenomenal. I also thought that the the officiating like, not to be I, I'm a big believer in like you, losers complain about the officials. Um, that being said, I thought that the first half of that game was just abysmally called. I thought that they, you know, they got better in the second half, admittedly, but the first half, I mean, it was just like you know, come on, let them play. I mean, if ever there's a game, and, and that was my frustration, it was like it's the Super Bowl, let them play. I, I mean, that, let's put it this way, though. And I mean, that's something where I don't watch a game from that standpoint. I do have some people that I follow on Twitter and stuff that they'll break it down. And if that comes out that it was egregious calls, but I will say it's a Falcons fan who a lot of times his team is the one that, you know, gets law penalties. And that's what I say. But then you look at it later and they're just they are they're penalties. And you can't do those kind of things in this kind of game, especially when it felt like if you looked like it on the first drive, I don't think there was any penalties uh, for the Chiefs. And then when stuff starts to go the, the wrong way, that's when players tend to make mistakes and, and make big calls. So let's move on to the Bucs because obviously they deserve all the attention here. Uh, it was an incredible run for them to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think that them, the Giants and the Packers, are they the only three teams that have won three road games in the Super Bowl or am I missing somebody? That sounds right. So I, I, I don't know if you're missing somebody, but that definitely sounds. They different. went on the road three times. You know, they obviously won this game. Todd Bowles deserves a ton of credit for the way the defense played. This was a Bucks defense that as somebody who does a weekly fantasy podcast, I mean, the second half of the season, whoever was playing the Bucks at quarterback or wide receiver, I was going to have them in my lineups because their secondary was so bad that you could just throw on them at will. Remember Tyreek Hill in the first game had 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns, uh, but they really clamped down over the defense. Uh, now, granted, they had some injuries that, that played a factor to that, and they got healthy as the season went on. But this is a team that – and again, I know you're going to talk a lot of crap about Tom Brady. That's fine. But it, it really does show – what having a winner and somebody with the swagger of Tom Brady can do to a franchise, because this is a team that was seven and nine. Uh, they didn't have a lot of players that were added outside of obviously Gronk and Brown, who ironically caught the three touchdown passes that had a lot to do with Brady coming there. And it just seems like that Brady was, you know, the person that gave this team confidence. I told you earlier today that 
one of the interesting things I heard was that a player was crying in his locker after the NFC championship victory. And Brady came up to him and goes, what the fuck are you crying for? You know, he told him we're going to the Super Bowl. I can't believe this. And Brady's like, you need to quit fucking crying. We haven't won anything yet. We got another game. And sometimes it's just that presence, uh, you know, can kind of will people uh, to victory. Leonard Fournette, I mean, this is a team, you want to talk about a group of guys that won a Super Bowl that a lot of people have cast off as guys you don't want on your team. And then uh, you got Sue, obviously. You've got Fournette. You got A.B. I mean, this team was littered with guys that you hear people say, well, you know, they can't win Super Bowls or they're not, you know, team players. And they all played huge factors to it. Uh, this Bucks team deserves a lot of credit. Uh, it's just been an amazing run for Tom Brady. I mean, obviously, this is a legacy defining Super Bowl win. And if I was a Patriots fan, I would be pretty upset. And I know people say, well, he was leaving for a, a multitude of reasons, but most of them was because of the way the Patriots organization treated him and also treated other veteran players as their skills started to decline a little bit. Uh, and it's just sad that a guy like Tom Brady, who's had, you know, the greatest, you know, franchise run for a, a quarterback coach and team is going to end up winning another Super Bowl and really just playing for a team other than the Patriots. I would be very upset if I was a Patriots fan today. I know a lot of them were happy. I don't totally get that, but he now has more Super Bowl wins than any franchise, which is the one cool part about it by him going to the Bucks. They're not all Pats ones, so he also has more rings than the Pats do. Uh, and it just, I mean, it's an exclamation point on the greatest quarterback of all time. And, and you can say a lot of things, and I know you're about to, but at the end of the day, the dude has been to, what, 18 conference championships. He's been to 10 Super Bowls, and he's 7-3 and three in them. And rightfully, the Spygate stuff is always going to follow him. That was his first three Super Bowls. I mean, he's been to, what, seven since then, uh, since it's, it's came out. He's won now uh, four of them. The guy's a winner. He just keeps getting it done. And this may be the ultimate FU title uh, for Tom Brady to get this win after he leaves New England. Bill Simmons is a, obviously a huge person in the podcast world. He, you know, kind of scoffed at Brady being washed at the beginning of the season. I heard him make some comments, I think, on earlier podcasts that Cam Newton might be a better quarterback for the Pats in the sense that this team being competitive. And then it's just funny to see how, you know, his narrative changed as the season went on because it's like, oh, shit, this guy still can't play. But at 43 years old to win another Super Bowl in his first year, on another team and another conference. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the Super Bowl is going to be remembered for. It probably shouldn't be. It should be remembered for the defense and all the performances by Fournette, the D-line, et cetera. But undoubtedly, it's going to go to Brady winning ring number seven in his first year without the Pats. Yeah, I mean, that was, to me, the the most depressing part is that, you know, he gets the MVP and it's like, come on, like that. We know that, though. I mean, in, in fairness, we know how that is. Yeah, I mean, and and it's not like they could give it to Todd Bowles. Right. You know, is there was no single player. but they, And there wasn't the big defense of, like, individual play needed, like a, you know, 90-yard touchdown return or, a, a, you know, strip fumble or something that – uh, You know, three interceptions, whatever right. it is. Yeah, there was some, nothing that could have been – but I definitely think that it was much more – that you're handing the title to, uh, you know, the, that I think that it, definitely that it was Brady who 
you know, I, I think that it's hard to say that that was overrated, but it really felt like, yeah, I mean, you have to give the, the, uh, you know, that I didn't think he was the most valuable in that regard. I mean, I think I you get, could make a serious argument for Fournette. Like, in, in reality, he was the one player that had a legit case. I guess you could say Gronk as well. But, I mean, Fournette had 80 yards rushing. He had 40 yards receiving. Uh, and, honestly, he was the difference maker throughout the playoffs. He scored in all four games. Uh, really just – I mean, it's amazing. I can't remember a guy who was so highly touted – coming out of college I remember when he left LSU going man this guy is going to just be a force in the NFL he had the one good season that had all the issues and then I mean they just got cut uh you know signed by the Bucks and was an afterthought and really played great down the stretch especially with Jones getting injured uh, you know he's probably the one guy that you could have made a legitimate case for uh do you think that Brady is going to keep playing I mean would it I mean, I almost yeah, think that this I, is his Jordan think, moment in Utah, right? Like, couldn't it be like such a walk off for him, or no? Uh, no, I, I just the sense that I get of him is that he's going to play until he can't play anymore. You know, I think that if he had had another season that ended similarly to last season, you know, in the divisional round with a pick six, uh, he might have might have left. But I think at this point, I mean, why? Why leave? That's fair. Why not? You, you got to defend it, right? You're, and yeah. it's not like he's not to the point that Manning was for that Super Bowl ring where, you know, with Denver where he just – I mean, Manning just physically, like, couldn't throw the ball anymore because of injuries and stuff to where, I mean, Brady proved this year that he's not going to – you know, well, of course, I shouldn't say too much. I mean, he ended up with, like, 30 t- 39 touchdowns. But I'm saying that they used the defense, the run game, and he was more of – kind of like the Brady, the first three Super Bowls where – a little bit more of a game manager. He's definitely going to, you know, make sure that, you know, he doesn't make mistakes and, uh, you know, really being a leader for this team. And the Bucks have a lot of talent coming back next year. I mean, that's the other thing, but it's also, you know, not to be too salty, but it's the same thing that he used to have in the AFC. I mean, who are we thinking is going to give him a tough challenge in the NFC? I mean, we'll have to wait and see. You know how the NFL is. Year to year, it changes. I mean, the Falcons were in the Super Bowl in 2016, and they haven't really came close since. The Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017, 18, 17. Again, they haven't really came close since either. The the 2018, it would have been very interesting if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't drop that ball against. uh, If my aunt had a dick, she'd be my uncle. I mean, you know, it – I'm just saying that you know how the NFL works. I mean, the Bucks are a prime example this year. They weren't in the playoffs last year. They were seven and nine, and now they're Super Bowl champions. I understand what you're saying, but it's – I mean, I think you could make the same case in the AFC, honestly, that it's like the Chiefs you can pretty much pencil in, uh, at least in the conference championship game, probably in like seven out of the next nine years if something doesn't happen to Mahomes. But the Bills – I mean, there are a lot – there's a lot more. I mean, the Bills are good. Um the Browns are interesting. The, I mean, there's a lot, I just feel like there's a lot more. It's just amazing to me that Brady does this, you know, and, and that was sort of what I was joking about, about the horseshoe is that, you know, I'm not going to take anything away because I was just a complete defenstration of green Bay, but he gets a saints team where uh, I think that, you know, breeze is what, like you catastrophically injured <laughs> breeze is played at a body cast. And then he gets the Chiefs where they're missing their two tackles and Mahomes is injured. 
I don't know if that makes a difference. I mean, the defense just might have been dialed in enough. Oh, no, it made a difference without a doubt. Uh, but, I mean, when you went 31 to 9, I don't know if you can say, you know, it made that kind of difference. Yeah. I mean, it, it's ultimately one where it was just a demoralizing, frustrating game to watch if you don't like Tom Brady. Or you're well, not- it was a bad game to watch in general. That was the one disappointing part, too, is that this is now two out of the last three Super Bowls that have been, quite frankly, uh, not very entertaining. And we've had a stretch other than that where it seems like, I, I want to say, like, you know, the last like 13 every- other than that have been really good. The only Super Bowl that uh, that I don't think – that, like, I think was not very good prior to this was the – like in the last 10 to 15 years was the uh, when the Seahawks, uh, you know, boat raced the Broncos. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. That was awful. Um, but I mean, even the commercials weren't very good this year. The, uh, well, actually, we'll transition that and then we can we can finish off talking any more thoughts on the game. The uh, Let's start with the halftime performance. I, th- I thought it was good. Uh, my wife made the point that, you know, the songs are great. The Weeknd's a very popular performer. She said it's probably forgettable, which I think is fair. But I also saw a tweet, and I, I didn't even think about this, that due to COVID, obviously they didn't have the ability to make kind of the sets and stuff that they normally do. They obviously didn't have the people, which, you know, that does. It makes it kind of exciting, like actually dancing and stuff on the field. And, you know, all things considering, I think he did as well as you could in that situation. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that <laughs> I thought the most exciting part of the whole thing was the guy who ran on the field. <laughs> that was interesting. I was surprised he didn't get tackled. You know, normally those guys get creamed. He was quite – oh, I don't know. You didn't see the end on Twitter. He got – oh, he oh, got – Oh, he did get po- – okay. By a player um, or by like a security guard? Security guards. Okay. Um. I, I actually, I'm going to cards on the table. I missed the Super Bowl, the halftime show. Uh, I went and did a grocery run because uh, I didn't want to miss the game and I didn't want to be, you know, going at like 730. <laughs> so um, I'm old. It's, uh, you know, it's, and I'm never a huge Super you know, halftime fan. You know, like no one's ever going to top the Prince show. Jackson's um, was really good uh, as well. The, but yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, before we get into the commercials that we liked, that fucking Bruce Springsteen commercial was like, we're going to meet in the middle. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan anyway. Uh, but like with that, I was like, blow it out your ass, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I was so mad. I hated that commercial so much. Does it feel like the commercials are almost to the point where they're not a big deal anymore? I mean, I remember a decade ago, you could argue that for... 40% of the people that watch the Super Bowls, the commercials were just as big of a deal as the game. And it just seems like, I don't know if it's not the effort, the buzz. I don't know if it's the fact that a lot of them get released early. I don't know what it is, but they just don't seem to have the effect that they used to. I think some this year, I think some of the, the issue was, is that a lot of times the things that I'm most excited about are movies. Right. And there's been some- being made. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was the, I think that there's, you know, there's just, it, I think that COVID hangs over this like a, you know, dark cloud, which is that, you know, there weren't, the stadium wasn't full, the, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, the advertisements, I think, 
were not as well done in terms of that. You know, they they felt I felt like there was a lot of like, hey, remember like remember this? Well, now it's a commercial for this. And <laughs> the one, you know, the, my favorite one was the Cadillac Edward Scissorhands one. Which it, you know, it, how do you say it, that kid's name? It's Timothy. Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. He looked. I mean, that was, that was part great. Of it, was. it really was good. Uh, but I also am a sucker for the ice dance, the piece of music that uh, Danny Elfman. I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of film composition score music ever. Um, I am, and I love that. So it was. But I thought that it was funny. And I thought that, you know, what they were doing in terms of, I thought that it was a little more subtle than, you know, hey, we're doing an electric vehicle as opposed to like the Will Ferrell one where I was like, oh man, he's just <laughs> happy to be out of his house and working. Um, I also liked the Cheetos with, uh, it wasn't me, with uh, uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Um, I thought was it reminded you know, me the first time I saw the MC Hammer Cheetos commercial with the you can't touch this like it yeah it, it's just they've they've got their game on the my favorite commercial by far was the Alexa Michael B Jordan uh, commercial which if if y'all haven't seen it it basically had Michael B Jordan as Alexa and of course this woman's like slowly falling in love because he's there in person. Uh, she's like at one point asking him to take off his shirt. He's taking a, a bath with her. I love how her husband's like, uh, Alexa, put your shirt back on. Um, and then another commercial I really liked. And normally I'm not huge into the sappy ones, but the Budweiser, we need each other commercial was really well done where it was basically people drinking beer, you know, busting each other's chops. I know there was one scene where a guy was saying he had a date while he was at work in the back of a restaurant. The woman's like, well, why don't you bring him here? Like joking. And uh, it was just, you know, reminding people something that I think we all know at this point is we're ready back for contact, you know, human interaction on a daily basis. Uh, and for somebody like me, that's been probably one blessing of the whole COVID deal is I'd become one of those people that uh, if it was, you know, not a group of friends or a, a small hangout, I really didn't have any desire because I just had gotten so frustrated with people uh, in general. And boy, it's been a reminder in the last, you know, year now that, you know, it's nice to get out and about and interact with people because that's what makes, uh, you know, in a lot of ways life interesting and fun. Um, any other commercials that uh, we, we both actually I saw had the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which we were talking about, you know, the movies and TV shows. That's going to be a series on Disney Plus. Uh, I thought the, you know, I guess the full trailer actually was online, which, again, I'm confused about why they didn't play the whole thing. I, I have to be honest with you. The idea of I think I made a joke about this years ago is like there was an advertisement for a trailer that was that was an advertisement in itself. <laughs> I was like, I what? That's not how this works. <laughs> I mean, is that money, right? I mean, that would the only reason they wouldn't show the whole trailer is they didn't want to pay for the uh, the, the full like you know ninety second minute uh, or two I mean, minute. Right, I mean, it might be as much as three minutes. I have to be honest with you too. Um, not to get you know too into politics, but I'm still like that. The villains on the Falcon and Winter Soldier are anarchists. <laughs> It's a black guy in somebody who fought in World War II just used Nazis. It's a slam dunk. Why are you using anarchists? They're not bad people. Like, read the room, Marvel. Um, which, uh, and, you know, yeah, I, re I mean, ultimately, with the, going back to the game a little bit, like, I really would have loved to have seen Andy Reid get two Super Bowls. 
Uh, I'm a sucker for. He's going to get plenty of chances, though. I think we can agree. As long as he doesn't retire. I hope so. I think that he's, you know, I was sort of surprised that there was not the, I didn't see on Twitter the same sort of backlash. You know, I felt like. Well, I think a lot of it, and this was something I did want to bring up, and I think it played a role. It had to, the deal with the son. Like, there's no way that that does not play a role with the team. I mean, he's, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, they're a family at this point. And I'm not just talking about reading the sun. I'm talking about the entire organization. They obviously know him very well. It's a very serious and sad situation. And I'm sure it played a role on the game, not just on the fact that I think why people are, you know, maybe giving Andy a little slack is because, you know, he's had such bad luck to, uh, you know, with family tragedies and stuff. And, uh, I, I think it's safe to say that that had to play a role. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember if his son, his other son, Garrett passed away. He did either after no, I knew he passed away. Oh, okay, I I'm sorry. He passed away either before the, it was either the dream team season or the next season where Andy Reid was, you know, was like went four and 12 either way. I mean, I, I, my heart goes out to him and he is, I was rooting for the chiefs because of Andy Reid because I really you know as an Eagles fan I I really liked Andy Reid I thought it was time for him to go in 2012 but he is if not the best coach in Eagles history he's one of the two I I it's hard to go against who would be the best coach it's hard to go against the only coaches ever won a Super Bowl oh it's easy to go against when what the other guy did I mean I, I understand what you're saying but when one guy goes to four straight NFC championships I mean that that's and no, y'all no, were so I, good I, I, for so long. I mean, and, and Andy Reid really took the team from being a ten and six divisional round loser to a perennial contender. Um, so I really I have nothing but you know, and and this is as somebody who still you know thinks that uh, Buddy Ryan is overrated and like continually makes jokes about Rich Kotite. Um <laughs> Let me ask you this. I think in some ways this may be the best thing that could have happened for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey Hill. Uh, I mean, obviously it'd have been great to go back to back. They would have it would have been really interesting next year to have a team, you know, go for being the first ever back to back to back Super Bowl champs. But I felt like at times this year they were coasting. I mean, you look at a lot of their games; they seem to you know get up in a lot of them and then kind of just take their foot off the gas. Uh, we actually discussed this on some of the podcasts leading up to it that, you know, would it eventually bite them that they seem to have kind of an on off switch, which is easy to do. I mean, you see it all the time in sports when a team wins a championship, you see it in golf when somebody wins a major, you get fat and happy. Right. Uh, and I almost wonder if this isn't going to be a reminder because I could only imagine as a fan, I've lived it, how hard it is to get close and, you know, to lose um, I think as players, it's probably going to be good for that young core moving forward to they've won a Super Bowl and now they've lost a Super Bowl and they know, you know, how it feels on both ends. And I think that's only going to strive them to get back, win another one. And they're absolutely going to be the favorites next year, even with the Bucks returning with, you know, a good team. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be the favorites next year. And I think in some ways this could end up being a good thing for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that their defense got a little bit exposed. Um, I thought that, you know, it, it, it that that was the, you know, I, I think that ultimately 
that was why I was hesitant to complain about the officiating was that if, if the chiefs had lost by a field goal or by a touchdown that, you know, some of the calls that they, that were made would have been much more egregious, but you know, the, the, the guards and, you know, and, and I, you know, I wonder what happens for, you know, if I'm a Kansas City fan, like I'm just going insane that Eric Fisher wasn't there, that, you know, the, I, I would be interested to see what they do in terms of drafting an offensive lineman. And, you know, because you need to have somebody who can. Oh, you got to protect, protect that. Oh, you got to protect Mahomes. I mean, he's, he's your invest. I mean, I even made the comment. Uh, I text Alan and Joe that with eight minutes left, I felt like the game was over and they needed to get Mahomes out. And then, you know, it was a scary situation. Not two minutes later, I, I was worried he got legit hurt on the play where not only did he about get his head knocked off, it looked like his knee went, in, you know, in a weird direction. And I mean, I'm all for, you know, fighting to the end, but again, he's Patrick Mahomes. He is the future of the NFL. Frank, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, what are you doing? And especially with the way the O line and you think Indomitian Sue uh, cares that the game's technically over. He's still out there trying to kill him. Uh, I was really worried for Mahomes most of that second half. Uh, and I'm just glad that he seems to be healthy uh, coming out of it. So other than the Bucks and the, uh, the Chiefs, I guess the Bills would be the next on the list. Cause I mean, obviously they're going to be the two prohibitive favorites and rightfully so. Uh, do you think the Bills would be the next team on that list? Yeah. I'm also interested to see what happens with Cleveland. I thought that, you know, I, I just think that that, like they have so many, like their offense is like so many skill players. You the Rams have, are the other team to me that are interesting. Uh, I know I'm a bigger Matt Stafford believer than most. And it's not even that I think Stafford is a monumental upgrade on Jared Goff. I do think he's a, an upgrade. It's I can't wait to see what that coaching staff can do with Stafford. Cause you got to remember the Rams are built to win. Now they have a great defense. They do have good weapons on offense. Cam Akers looked great last year at the end of the season. So they got the running back. They got two good receivers and woods and cup. Uh, they have a couple of talented tight ends. I would think that the Rams bills, the Browns are really interesting too. I just don't know. Do you think Baker is, is there? Cause that's going to be the difference. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they get OBJ back. Especially because, ironically, they struggled. You know, the offense was actually better without OBJ this year, which was, you know, I think just one of those deals that it's it's almost kind of a fluke or maybe Baker was, you know, trying to force it to him. But uh, it's hard to believe that OBJ being on your roster would be a negative. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think that they – I mean, and they have between, you know, Chubb and Hunt and Austin Hooper, who I think is a really good tight end. I just think that they're a super talented team. They have one of the best uh, defensive players in the league in Garrett. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, and I think it'll be interesting to see uh, if teams, you know, if maybe Miami, if they can improve, uh, you know, they were, I think that there, there's always going to be some teams that didn't make the playoffs who make the jump, you know, the Eagles, you know, we talked about the, uh, the Eagles didn't make the playoffs the year before they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Bucks didn't Falcons make the playoffs make last year. Falcons went to Super Bowl had not made the playoffs the year before. 
I mean, it, it definitely can happen. So the unless you're a Texans fan, I'm just kidding. I would not get my hopes up for shit for a while. Do you think there's any chance that Bruce Aarons retires after the Super Bowl win and Todd Bowles gets promoted to be the head coach? I, I did not realize Bruce Aarons' age. I didn't know he was the oldest coach to ever win a Super Bowl. I didn't realize he was up there. And Bruce seems like a really cool guy. I know he cares a lot about Todd Bowles. He said a lot of very flattering things about him. Could this be a moment for him to step aside as a Super Bowl champion and let Todd take over the team? Uh, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting was Leftwich also is potential the guy to take over. Um, the you know, uh, this is this is only his second year though coaching. Um, the coaching the Bucks. I wonder if he would try one more year. You know, I, I'm I think that it is possible that he leaves and he ends up um you know saying, Hey, we're I'm gonna give the you know, and they promote somebody from within. Uh rightfully so. I mean, I think that either Leftwich or Bowles. I mean, I, I don't know how I think you it would can't... be great for his legacy. You know, you win a Super Bowl and then on the way out, we've we've seen how hard it is for coaches of color to get head coaching jobs. And, you know, as you just pointed out, uh unless they want to riot, I mean, I'm sure that they're going to hire one of those two very qualified and deserving coaches and either, you know, balls or left, which. The smartest thing in my opinion to hiring, uh, to hiring bowls is if Brady comes back, you have a very good offense already and Brady, you know, you can sort of build general. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, figure that you at least have one more year with Leftwich who's done a good job. Um, it just seems like the smart thing to do where you put a defensive coach in there. I, I would, I would be excited if Arian did that, but I don't know if we will. I mean, I, I have, you know, I get being 68, but I also wonder if he would, uh, you know, just gonna get the keys of the king, especially. And I mean, actually, you know, thinking and talking this out, the Bucks might be the same favorites as the Chiefs, or even maybe the betting favorites, because that's an offense, particularly. I mean, that got really good in the second half once they kind of figured out what to do, and they did a lot more stuff that they did in New England, where they threw more on first down because uh, they were running up the middle. It seemed like every time the first eight games of the season, they did a lot of motion. Uh, and again, I mean, they're going to come back. I'm assuming they're going to try to bring AB back. They'll have AB, uh, Evans and Godwin who were, I mean, Evans and Godwin were non-factors in this game and it didn't matter. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to try to bring back Fournette. Jones was great this year as well. He rushed for a thousand yards and then they have a defense that, you know, has guys that are locked up and are very talented from the, the front line, linebackers, and secondary. Uh, it's actually going to be interesting to see if the Chiefs or the Bucks are the favorites. I can't imagine that one of them isn't. I don't know who else would be. No, it's definitely – I'm just saying that I would assume, you know, even after the loss, the Chiefs would be. But the more we've kind of talked it out, I actually could see the Bucks being the actual favorite again. And as you said, the NFC is a little bit weaker. I have to be honest with you, it kind of bums me out that uh, I think that the best commentary team in the game is Nance and Romo, and they have gotten two completely <laughs> unwatchable Super Bowls. 
Um, that that Patriots Rams Super Bowl. Was they just... traded for this one too, which I didn't even know that was possible. Did you know? Really? That? Yeah, this was not their year, and they because tra- again they were with the Rams. That was only two years ago. It's a three year rotation, and I don't I don't know who it was if it was NBC or. Uh, but th- they traded for this Super Bowl, and I don't know if it was due to COVID or what it was. Why but trade for the COVID Super Bowl I, I, again? I don't know, but I just I heard that on a podcast last week because I, it was funny that I was thinking, well, it was just two years ago they did it. That's not right. It's every three years, and they said that they traded for it because it had gone through the rotation where it was starting over again. And I guess whoever it was this year asked if they would trade for it, and they said, yeah. I mean, at the time, let's put it this way, going into the game, I'm sure they felt very good about it because yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming the viewership's going to be way up, uh, I would think. And, uh, you know, it, it just it didn't work out the way, it, it, you know, we thought it would be. Um, real quick, because I did want to kind of keep this close. What do you think what – are, what are the two things that you think are going to be remembered about this Super Bowl in, in a decade? Uh, I think Brady winning seven and the like the crazy throws that Mahomes made yeah I I don't know if I ever remember a losing player uh just having that kind of performance I mean I'm not going to listen to people that said you know Mahomes was bad he wasn't I mean there's just no world he had three touchdown passes dropped two of them hit the guy literally in their their face mask I mean that's how good they were was they were right there Again, the Kelsey drop, and he was running for his life. I really do want to see how many pressures they had. Uh, that was something I meant to look up, uh, you know, before it started because, I mean, it felt like a particular in the second half. It was like snap the ball. He would immediately start rolling. I mean, immediately. You know, I mean, it wasn't even like he was getting back to his set step uh, in the drop back. He just was rolling out and then running for his life. I think they had multiple third downs of 20-plus yards which is, I mean, maybe, you know. And not from holding penalties. <laughs> yeah, not penalty, you know, yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, and I, I just, I do think that, again, this will be remembered as the Bucks is like an FU team because it's kind of an FU for a lot of these guys, Fournette, Brown, uh, you know, Gronk, who was retired and brought back out, Brady coming over for New England, Bruce Arians has been a coach that has been constantly, you know, mocked, uh, even though he's been a good head football coach, uh, let, and for them all to get a win. Let, let me say I have one thing that I want to change on what I think the difference, you know, what we'll remember it for. I think it'll be remembered as the COVID Super Bowl. That's fair, too. And uh, – it's just uh, it's a it's a different world. I mean, and it was weird too, just not to hear the roars. You know, like I mean, I know there was a crowd there, but uh, you know, typically, especially, it's kind of sad that it was in Tampa, and you didn't really get the home field that I think you would have in a normal Super Bowl. I know the Chiefs travel, and I get all that, but it's just hard to believe with it being in Tampa as somebody who's uh, you know lives in Atlanta. I went to the Super Bowl a few years ago. In Atlanta, I knew a ton of people from Atlanta, obviously, that went to the Super Bowl because it's in Atlanta. It's in their backyard. So if the Falcons would have been there, it would have felt like a home game for the Falcons. Oh, 100%. And it, I can't it, imagine. And it's just sad that, you know, it didn't really feel that. It would have just been cool to see a Super Bowl that had a, a big-time, you know, rooting interest. I mean, I'm sure it felt like that maybe at the game because it probably was louder than it 
you know, seemed on TV, but it just, uh, I've almost gotten used to now crowds being quiet at football games, which is so weird because, you know, there's sometimes there's almost even more exciting than the play or the score is just the, the reaction from the fans. I, I always tell people I was at the 92 uh, Braves game, the NFCS uh, game when we came back and beat the Pirates to get down Sid. And I mean, the, the stadium literally exploded. It felt like an earthquake uh, when Sid Bream, you know, slid safe. And I, again, you know, I'm ready to get back to normal stuff because I, I don't even care who it is or what it is. I just want that next sports moment where a crowd goes wild. It, it is. And it is one of those where I remember uh, when the Eagles won, my brother and I are very close. He's five years older. He's my best friend. Uh, he flew me. He lived in Chicago at the time. And we watched the game at an Eagles bar in Chicago. And I remember when they won, just losing my shit. And like, yeah, it would have been cool losing my shit in my, like, I'm, <laughs> let me tell you something. There's no scenario where a team that I root for, like if the Sixers or the Flyers. I'm an Atlanta the- fan. You don't have to explain it to me. I just want one. So yeah. you're good. And that moment, you know, with people, I mean, it's the, you were talking, it's funny that on a lesser scale, uh, when I was in college, the Memorial Day, uh, Labor Day of 06, uh, I went up and Chase Utley hit a walk-off home run. And I just remember like the bon- like the, the Phillies crowd going bonkers. It's just very hard to you know, come up with something that, that works at that level. Without- so I miss the crowd. I'm ready to get back to normal. Wear your mask, keep your social distancing, get the vaccine so we can get back to normal. And on to basketball, right? Yeah. And golf for me. I'm, I'm very excited about golf. Uh, Jordan Spieth, Jordan Spieth today, which I, I did laugh a little bit at how many people were like, he's back. And I'm like, hold on now. Let's Guys have good rounds. Let's, let's see him finish it. And unfortunately, he couldn't get it done today. And first Kepka appears to be back because he came from behind to win. Uh, just before we get out of here, do want to plug the Ivy Sports Podcast Network. Uh, me, Sam, and Ron Elm will be back later in the week to do a team turnbuckle, uh, the wrestling podcast, the Mod Pod, which is a political podcast that Alan does. It's very good. Uh, it'll be back this way, uh, week, the NBA podcast. Um, and then I hope RC is going to do some more WandaVision podcasts because I, I enjoyed those. But be sure to follow the Ivy Sports Podcast Network. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. Uh, please follow the IB Sports Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram page. Uh, and the Facebook group, you should join. Uh, it's got over 5,000 members. It's one of the funnest pages uh, in social media. I've, I've now been a member for almost two years, and it, it's seriously, it, it's a blast. Uh, and there is a uh, Patreon uh, for $5 a month. You can be an all-star with IB Sports. It comes with all kinds of benefits. Uh, one of the biggest being gambling advice from Alan. If you listen to our podcast previewing the Super Bowl, we hit all kinds of Super Bowl props. Uh, we had Kelsey with the over on receptions. We had Mahomes with the over on rushing yards. Uh, we hit the field goal prop. Um, the, the biggest one we hit was to my man, Joe Gronk, 18 to one to be the first touchdown, which was a great call. Uh, so it, it's definitely worthwhile, but Sam, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. Uh, I know it's not late on the West coast, but it is late, uh, here on the East coast. And we'll be back, uh, this week for a team turnbuckle podcast. Sounds good. All right, guys, we do appreciate you joining us. This was the IB sports super bowl instant reaction podcast with Keith Fleming and Sam Howe. We will see you guys soon.